Hello, welcome to Basketball Network. My name is Will. And here today we're speaking with six-time NBA All-Star and one of the most vicious dunkers of all time, Sean Kemp, a.k.a. The Rain Man. Uh, Sean, uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, man, thanks for having me, Will. Uh, pleasure is all, all, all ours. Um, so a few days ago, it was announced that, that you're opening uh, a Seattle's first uh, black-owned dispensary. So what was, what was your motivation behind going into the cannabis business and where did the idea come from? Well, I mean, I've thought about it for quite some time, but it, um, you know, in business, sometimes you gotta, you gotta wait for the right partner to team up with. And also you have to learn about the business. So with me, I still needed to learn about the cannabis business a lot. It was a lot to learn and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I had been checking for the last few years, but then all, all of a sudden I ran into some people that I, I, I had a meeting with and then we, we had a great meeting, developed a friendship and uh, became partners. And, um, you know, it's been a real educational point for myself, but also a good business move for myself to work with somebody who knows about the business mm -hmm. and who has my interests at best heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grand opening is this Friday, October uh, 30th. Uh, from what I've seen, Gary Payton will also be present on the opening ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. Man. And uh, yeah, we're opening up this Friday. Uh, Gary's coming down. But, you know, as far as the business in the store, you know, what we're trying to do is uh, get the store open. But we're, we're out here trying to preach safety first. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think things will go just fine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've read that you know Gary Payton is also in the in the same line of business uh, since 2019. Um, is there any advice that he gave you beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, you know, um, just make sure you do your research. Um, make sure you know the business. Uh, don't jump into just anything, and um, uh, just really be careful on the people that you partner up with. And that's exactly what I did. It took me a number of years. Like I, you know, this wasn't, I'm just now doing this, but I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. It just, it took that long for me to find the right people to work with. And that's sometimes in life, that's just the way it is. So, you know, I'm very appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, I think um, for what we're trying to do here, I think we're headed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That's, that's definitely good to hear. Um, can you, can you share more about, you know, the type of products you will have in your store mm -hmm. and, and, and dive more into that? Well, I mean, we have everything products as far as uh, we have flour that we sell here, but we also have CBD stuff, right? We have um, edibles. We have a lot of different products here. Uh, but the most thing, the most important, you know, from this business here, this is about, you know, sharing this business with the public, also teaching people about the cannabis business who don't know about it. It's a very lucrative business. So we're trying to educate people in the right direction for they can be smarter if they choose to take this business route. We're trying to be educators of it. And I think those things are very important for me because not only do I, I want to be successful doing this, but I would also like other people, minorities, different races, to be able to come down and get information on how to start their own business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's all about sharing the knowledge. Absolutely. I think, you know, if you share your knowledge with what you have and share it with the community, obviously you can, you'll do well yourself, but I think people appreciate what you're trying to do more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And, and what are your thoughts about, you know, the use of cannabis um, by NBA players? Um, do you think the NBA as a league uh, is making progress in loosening the rules, especially when more and more players are speaking about, you know, the benefits of, of different cannabis-related products, especially after injury? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, what we're all realizing about cannabis is that the, not only are the laws loosening up a little bit, but also in athletics, I think uh, the rules will start to bend and be more flexible for athletes to be able to use cannabis, cannabis products, whether it be CBD lotions or for them to even be in taking on uh, just smoking marijuana. Mm -hmm. Because what I've, what I've heard several players speaking about is, is it's much more easier for them to consume this type of product than it is to take different painkillers or different medication that they were used to be given to. Well, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about your body in a period of time. A lot of young guys who, uh, you know, get hurt, who have injuries. So you're pumping a lot of medicine and, and, and pills in your body. This could be a solution eventually who would, stop some of those guys from taking so much pills and, and medicine this could help i think I, you know and this is the cannabis business is relatively still young since this came out and become legal and there's still a ways to grow yet before they get to that level where they'll make it legal in sports mm -hmm. and and like you said it's it's all about you know proper education at the end of the day you know it's educating people on on, on the pros and cons yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we're doing here. Not only am I trying to um, bring good business back into the community, but I'm trying to educate people. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk to you about, you know, your impressive NBA career. Um, you know, on our, on our network, there's, you have, like, there's so many, you know, fans that you still have that still remember, you know, the days, especially from playing in for the Supersonics. And, and you were actually, you know, the youngest player coming into the 89 NBA draft. Um, how hard was it, you know, for you as a 20-year-old 20, 20 to make this transition coming into, you know, basically straight out of high school to the NBA? Man, it was very, it was very hard, you know. It, you know, the most part is like, in 19, 20 years old, you got to learn to practice. Practice, mm. practice. So you lose so much of your your natural childhood because you're in the gym just grinding and practicing, and that's how it was. Like from the ages of 19 to the ages of you know 25, it wasn't a whole lot of fun for me. It was mostly just really basketball, a lot of practice, really, really just trying to push myself to become the best. And um, mm. you know whether you ever were the best or not, you never know. But you try to push yourself like you're one of the best in the world. And that's what I was doing when I was 19 years old. So I, I really respect the guys who grind, guys like LeBron and guys, um, mm -hmm. you know, who, who have put that time in, you know, seeing them, what they've done throughout their career, uh, the longevity of it. It really lets you know what type of person they are and it lets mm -hmm. you know how hard they put that work in. Mm -hmm. um, when, when you came into the league um, uh, as a rookie, you didn't get much playing time in your, in your first season. Um, how did you cope with that and, and what would be your advice for younger players who are, you know, in somewhat similar situation, especially if they're coming to the NBA at such early age? Well, it's tough, like mentally it's tough. So, you know, the thing about it is that you, 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 you play your whole life and then all of a sudden you make it to the pros and then you're not playing, you're, you're almost a cheerleader at times, but you, you tell yourself uh, that you, you have to keep motivating yourself because the only way that you're going to get on court is to make yourself better. And that comes through practice, through repetitions. 
getting with the right coaches, doing the right drills. And it just is it's just over and over and over. Sometimes it can be really tough on you mentally. But I think as a young player, it's it's a, it's a good thing to go through because you learn so fast. I mean, I, I, at that age, I learned so fast because I was afraid of failing. And I think mm -hmm. uh, that right there was motivation for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, was uh, was there a mentor uh, in in those first couple of years that that kind of took you under his wing and, and show show showed you how to be a professional? Well, I, I think all the guys did between me and you. Like all all the guys did. Um, uh, you know, I was very I was very fortunate to play with a group of guys who saw a young kid come in, and then they wanted this young kid to succeed. You know, it could have been just the opposite where, you know, these guys like Xavier McDaniels, mm -hmm. uh, Derek McKee, a lot of these guys uh, who groomed me a little bit, it could make McMillan, a lot of these guys who groomed me, that they um, they could have turned their shoulder on me, but they didn't. They worked with me, stuck with me through the good and the bad and the immature times that I had. And uh, it came out to be pretty good for me. Mm -hmm. But you, you actually made a really, really incredible jump in, in, in your second season. Right. Um, obviously, you got more opportunity to play, but uh, what was the story behind your emergence? Uh, were there any parts of your game that, that you saw the biggest improvement, improvement coming into the second season? Well, I think just identifying with things. Like the first season, you know, the, the, my first season, everything was new to me. So, you know, here I am. I, I went from being 18 years old, and you're like, "Oh my!" And I'm playing against Magic Johnson. I'm playing against Larry Bird. <laughs> so, you know, of course, you're gonna be in a little bit of awe. You know, like, man, this is Larry Bird. This is Magic. This is, you know, this is Isaiah Thomas. So, you're in awe a little bit, and then all of a sudden, something clicks in your head. And it's like, man, these guys are kicking my butt. They're kicking my butt really well. You know, I've got to get better. You know, I, you know, the first time I played against Larry Bird, he scored like 47 points on me in three quarters. So there, there was there was only one way to do, and that's to get better. I couldn't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. That was a good learning experience for sure. That was a great learning experience. Uh, in in your second year, um, you you made it to the player to to the playoffs where where um, you lost to the to the to the Trailblazers in in five mm -hmm. games. What was that experience like, you know, playing in your first postseason ever? How You were actually quite close in, in upsetting the first-seeded uh, right. Blazers. No, we were very close. And um, at that time, at that time, Portland had a very good team. They were actually challenging Michael Jordan. They actually went to the finals at that time to challenge Jordan, and they lost. But uh, it was a, just a great learning experience for myself. They had a guy on Portland's team. His name was Buck Williams. Mm -hmm. Buck Williams, he's a, he's the strongest human being in this entire world. He like, when, <laughs> I was so fearful to play against this guy, man. It was like he would put me in like a little pretzel hole every time I would try to play defense on him and just just squeeze me. So it was just a, it was a true learning experience. Uh, that was also the year where you know the your your famous nickname, the Rain Man, was born. Uh, right. It was it was it was given to you by Kevin Kevin uh, Celebro. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about this 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 new name that that came about? You know. Well, it felt good, and you know, um, you know. Speaking of that, I'm glad you mentioned it. You know, actually, that year, that's those things build confidence. So when they give you a nickname when you're a young guy like that, you're, you know, you're 19, you're 20 years old. They they name you the Rayman. They, you know, they name a shoe after you. 
you feel invincible, man. You feel, you know, at that age, you feel like you're like Superman, you know? So uh, it, it definitely it just helped my confidence. It helped me grow as a young man. And, um, you know, it, it also taught me that hard work pays off. Mm. Um, and, and speaking of uh, hard work, um, coming into your third year, it seems like that was the time when you established yourself as, as, as a legitimate double-double machine in the league. Right. And you were actually a huge part of, of, of Seattle's, you know, playoff run. Um, I, you know, there was, in the first round, you, you were playing against the Golden State Warriors, which had Hardaway, Mullen, Marcellonis. You, I think you averaged 22 points and 16 rebounds per game uh, during this four-game series. Um, it's, it's sort of seen as your coming out party in the NBA. Like, that was the year and that was the series when you came out, you know, I'm, this is Sean Kemp and I'm here to <laughs> rule the NBA for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That um, that playoff, that series is, uh, you know, we always say, we have this saying that we used to say, it was like, that's when the man-child was born. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it definitely, that was the year that everything started to come together. Um, uh, Golden State really challenged me physically. They were the first team to kind of beat up on me physically. And then, um, you know, you can't cry about it, so you just have to fight back, and that's what I did. And things turned out well, you know, averaging 22.16 rebounds in that series definitely was a uh, was a confidence builder for myself. It was, um, you know, that series specifically against the Warrior was also uh, memorable because of the dunk on Alton yeah. Lister. Which the Lister. Is, you know, it's the Lister blister. It's the Lister. Is, the, is that your favorite dunk ever? Uh, or It's, I mean, it's not it's my favorite one, but it, it, it's, a, it's on my top five list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your top five. Uh, what are the what are the what are the other four that you can remember? Well, there was actually there was actually two dunks in that game that were really great. I don't know if you remember, but it was one dunk where I dunked on Chris Gatlin and he turned around and shook my hand on the court, which yeah. never happens. It only happened to me one time in my whole life playing basketball where I dunked on the guy and he turned around and shook my hand. So that was great. The other dunk was uh, in New York City. That was uh, my favorite because that was the first dunk. It was a double pump reverse. And then the rest of the dunks were like on seven footers. I dunked on Akeem Olajuwon. You know, I dunked on uh, uh, Matambo. That felt great. That was fun. Yeah. Um, you know that that supersonic steam at, at the beginning of '90s was was something else. You know there were it was a special a group of players. Um, and and in, in season '93 '94 you had 63, 63 wins and you were actually one of the you know main contenders for a championship that year. But unfortunately um, you you came across the Nuggets in in that upset. You know essentially what happened in that series. Um, well, I think sometimes um, you know you. As a team, you go as far as your chemistry goes. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. If you ever see a lot of teams play like during a regular season and they look great, and then they get into the postseason and they don't look so well, that's because their chemistry isn't right. In order for you to win like during a regular season and then continually to win in the playoffs, everybody has to be on the same page. And then also guys have to take sacrifices. And the main thing that we learned, as I learned as a young man, is that you don't always have to score all the points. You don't have to always get all the rebounds. It could be one guy this night, right? A different guy the next night. And sometimes younger players always, they, they go after the top of everything. 
but sometimes it's best to share the wealth a little bit because then the opposing team don't know what you guys going to do well that night. So I think as the signings got better, myself and Gary and other guys, we we learned to share the wealth a little bit. Instead of us always being the main studs of scoring and rebounding, it was like, let's let some of the other guys score and rebound because that's important also. Mm -hmm. Well, essentially, you know, basketball is a team-oriented sport and, and uh, individual play can get you so far, you know. Right. Absolutely. And that's just so true. And, you know, um, you know, and that's the pressure that sometimes young guys feel when they get on a court. You want to do so well and you want to impress people so much that sometimes you, you, uh, you don't play as team-oriented as you should. Mm -hmm. But, you know, coming into that, you know, two years after that, you, you um, made it to the NBA Finals where you went, up, you, you went up, uh, up against the Chicago Bulls. Can you talk more about the series and what was it like going against, you know, probably the best team in NBA history? Because you, you gave them a, a run for their money. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I had always enjoyed playing against the Chicago Bulls. And I will say this, man, they were, they were probably the best team in history because they were the best coach team and also they were the best mentally prep team so they were so smart and um michael jordan was a great player but he his greatest asset is that he played with very very smart teammates mm -hmm. and uh they really sacrificed a lot of different things in order for that team to win and he was smart also about himself too so it was like the perfect match and uh, playing against chicago was a was a learning experience but a good one and um you know i'm, I'm I'm from outside of Chicago. I was born in Indiana, right outside of Chicago. So I really had to play well against Chicago because it was just uh, it was personal against me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I really wanted to show everybody back home that we could stick it to them. So it was just a personal game for me to, to, to be able to stick it to Michael Jordan. And uh, we did that for a few games, but of course he wins, like always. Like always, yeah. That's what, that's what everybody says. You know, basketball yeah. is a game Michael Jordan always wins. Always wins, man. Always wins. Uh, your your former coach George Carl recently actually, you know, disclosed that um, uh, the Supersonics had a deal in place to bring Clyde Drexler, um, <laughs> and that was very close to happening. Uh, if the deal yeah. had gone through, do you think you would have won the title? Do you think he would help the team? I know it's hard talking from this perspective, but, mm -hmm. but it's all you know, right. these conversations. No, I think so. I think when we were we were sometimes at points in the in the playoffs when we played, we were missing one person. You know, we had myself, we had Gary, and we were also missing one person. Dallas was great, but we were missing one other scorer. If we could have got a hold of Clyde Drexler, sure that would have helped. Would have made us win a championship? I'm not sure if it would have made us win a championship. Um, but it definitely would have made us better. Uh, speaking with you know, speaking about um you know, the dynamic duos in NBA history, your name and, and, and Gary Payton's name is, is always connected. Um, what, what, what was it that made it work so well between the two of you? Man, he's the talker and I'm the doer. <laughs> I do all the work and he does all the talk. So that's what makes it work, you know? Um, and it's just like two buddies playing with each other. He's yapping and, uh, and I'm out there hustling. Yeah, and it's just yeah. the perfect matchup. And then I yap at him, and then he comes back, and he plays real hard. So we're just two guys that respect each other. And, you know, Gary, Gary's good. He's talking right – trust me, he's talking right now. He's somewhere talking right now. 
Yeah, that's that's what a lot of NBA players said that they never met a player that is able to talk so much during an NBA game. <laughs> that's not the first time. Playing the defense and, and 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 orchestrating the offense, doing everything at the same time. Absolutely, man, and he's pretty good at it. Like, have you ever seen a person who can do three or four things at once? He's the one. That, he's the one person who can do that. Yeah, he can yeah, talk, Gary have a conversation with somebody else, and cuss you out at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Gary. Gary is a, it was a special type of player for sure. Um, one of the things that that was uh, very memorable about your you know Sonic, Supersonics days was the four slam dunk contests that you participated in. Which one was the most memorable memorable one in in your opinion? And and what do you think of the slam dunk contest today and and how it's you know performed? And I think they do a pretty good job. It's um. They don't have as many big names in it as they used to have before. I think, you know, the NBA would be smart to up the money in the slam dunk contest and then let some of the guys give that money away to charity. Then I think they would, they would, you would see more guys performing in it. But, you know, it was fun for me because the first one was probably the best one. Um, and that was my first slam dunk contest. And it's because that's, that's that first one is where I made my name at. And, uh, I think that's where I, I probably, that's the first one I probably won that I lost. Yeah. You know, uh, D. Brown, yeah. D. Brown was the winner, but you know, he could see underneath that, that blindfold, he can definitely <laughs> see. So yeah. if they throw you a basketball, if you have a blindfold on and they throw you a basketball, you can catch it. That means that you can see through your blindfold. Yeah, yeah, you were, um, yeah, that, was, that was quite unfortunate for you, I think. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, after after your um, after you um, after your Sonic Supersonics days, you, you got traded to the Cavs. How did you feel about that tr specific trade? Because you spent the next three seasons with the Cavs. Which fun, man. That's a big difference. You know, playing in Seattle, I played with so many veterans. We were a good team. We won. There's only 82 games a year. You yeah. play 82 games in Seattle. I won 66 games every year. Yeah. And now I go to Cleveland where it's really, really cold. Mm -hmm. And now I'm playing with 11 rookies. And that's tough. You know, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's, you, you know, you learn real quick and you, you learn to appreciate what you had real quick too. So, um, you know, playing with some good players here in Seattle and then going to Cleveland was a bit of a lifestyle adjustment because I played with 11 rookies my first year in Cleveland. Uh, and not only are you losing a lot of games, it was cold as hell outside. <laughs> so it was it was a somewhat a lose lose situation for you. Yeah, I mean because you you know you you build so much throughout the years of winning. You know, it, it, like I said, it's, it's a big difference from playing eighty two games and you win sixty six games. And then when you go to a team where you win thirty games a year, it's like mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big lifestyle change. You know and. Uh, it takes um you realize that it takes a lot more concentration, a lot more focus to play basketball. Basketball is not as fun anymore because you're not winning. Winning is what makes basketball sports fun. You know, very suddenly when you hear somebody say they're having fun losing. Yeah, it never happens. Never happens. Never happens. Um, but you know, after after your time with the Cavs, you actually you joined the the Portland Trail Blazers, which were a contending team back back when you joined them. Right. They were actually stacked with you know several great players. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe your time with the Blazers? 
oh man, I, I mean, I love playing for Portland. We just had too many guys on the team. We had 12 All-Stars and there wasn't enough basketball for us. Um, truly, I can tell you this about my Portland days is that our practices were tougher than our basketball games mm -hmm. because we had better guys on our team than what we were playing against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that team was loaded with, with great players. It was a good combination of, of young talent and, and experienced players like such as yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It was still to this day, it's the uh, highest payroll of any team sports. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Um, uh, you know, after after the the um, the two seasons that you spent with the Blazers, you joined Orlando Magic at, at at the end of your career. And I remember you joined a prime Tracy McGrady, uh, Grand Hill. Yeah. Do you, but I think that you, you had a lot of um, misfortune because you, that team couldn't stay healthy. But if it could, do you think you, you could have, you know, potentially win an NBA championship, especially in the East at that time? We could have really done well. If, um, if Grant could have stayed healthy, we would have been a pretty good team. Tracy played great that year. He actually led the league in scoring that year. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to come in and help, help Orlando out. But Grant still has some foot problems mm -hmm. and I had a struggle staying on the court and that definitely hurt the team. Mm -hmm. We need, we need a Grant Hill to play. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, that was a, a, a very interesting um, big three. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had, I mean, we won a lot of games that year. We went into the playoffs and um, the team that beat us was the Detroit Pistons that won it all. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a, uh, a tough, tough, tough uh, opponent, especially considering the fact that, that you didn't have luck with, with injuries and, and staying healthy. Right. Uh, so when you reflect on your NBA career, uh, what is the, what is the, what are you most proud of? Well, just long, for one, just longevity. Um, you know, uh, I was blessed. I played 14 seasons in the, you know, an NBA like that, no injuries no major injuries. So to be able to go 14 with no major injuries, that was very, very blessed person. You know, no, uh, no surgeries, no anything. So, um, you know, blessed on that. And the other part was just winning. You know, for the majority of the teams that I played for, uh, we won. You know, we won. And uh, um, that, that's got to stand for something. Unfortunately, I didn't win a championship. But um, most, most seasons that I played in the NBA, we won most games. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, um, what do you think of the NBA today? Do you still watch the games? Do you have time? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I am, I'm a big fan of the NBA today. I think the guys that play today are great. Um, I think they're, uh, they're highly motivated. Um, they're very, uh, they don't get enough credit. You know, uh, unfortunately people still compare these young guys to us, uh, us older guys. Therefore, it takes a little bit off their game. But I think the guys that are playing the game today are great. They're much faster, stronger athletes than what we were. They shoot the ball a whole lot better. Uh, it's not as physical as what the game used to be. That takes, a little, that takes a little part from it. But working with the rules, what they work with today, I think the players are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, what, were your, what are your thoughts on the NBA bubble and the whole experiment? Uh, oh, my God. It had to be tough. You know, um, I would have had a, myself, I would have struggled in the NBA bubble because 
I would be so used to going to arenas. Like, I enjoy going to different arenas. I love the fans that yell at me because when they yell at you, that gives you, that gives you so much motivation. And um, it would have been tough for me to play in the bubble because there's no fans. I mean, half of playing basketball comes through the fan, the fan uh, relationship, uh, smelling the popcorn when you walk into the stadium. Those are the things that generally get you excited and kind of get you motivated to play. Um, talking about playing in different NBA arenas, uh, which um, cities were kind of the toughest to play in from, from what you remember? Oh, the toughest city to play in, no doubt, was Utah. Utah Jazz. Oh, man, they got some fans there. They're relentless. They don't stop. They'll call you in your hotel room. They'll, um, <laughs> they'll meet you outside before the game. They're relentless. So I'd say Utah and also um, Sacramento Kings. They have the cowbells. They ring those cowbells. It's the worst sound ever. So Sacramento Kings and Utah Jazz, they got the worst fans ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on what were your thoughts on, on the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Heat? Uh, it seemed like um, uh, LeBron took care of business once again. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you watch the finals? Yeah, I did. I watched I watched the finals a lot. I think um, I bet on LeBron because of uh, there was a lot of pressure on him, and I think after the Michael Jordan documentary came out. Uh, I think LeBron had a true focus on winning the championship this year. I think, and with the with the documentary coming out, Kobe Bryant dying, I think he was he was just focused on what he had to do to win, and uh, he was deservingly the MVP of the series, and he should have got that. And um, I mean, he's something special, no doubt about it. Yeah, it was it was evident that he was locked in, uh, and and and, yeah. and the rest of the team as well. Yeah, you don't you don't see that a lot anymore. But I enjoy watching that when a guy really gets locked in. Um, you know, Anthony Davis is a great player, but uh, LeBron James is a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you actually spoke about the longevity, and it's remarkable when you see a player who is um, 35 years old in his 17th NBA season doing the things that he's actually doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean. There again, like I said, I went 14 seasons, didn't get hurt. He's in his 17th year in that same predicament where he hasn't had a real, real serious injury. He's mm-hmm. taking care of his body. I mean, man, that's that's like that's that's really big time. Like I don't, I think we see it and we appreciate it, but you know, to the fans out there, that's like something special when you can go 17 years and you know, uh, just like a fine, like a fine automobile, just keep going, keep going with an oil change. And I think that's how LeBron James is, man. He's just uh, he's just rolling away right now. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the Lakers can do in the next couple of seasons, because mm-hmm. it seems like LeBron is still is still in his prime in some way. Well, you know what happens is when a team like the Lakers, when they win a championship, the most important part is to see how many guys are going to come back on the team. Some of those guys are going to be uh, sought after. I would say. I would say that like a guy like Rondo probably will end up playing for the Clippers next year. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Interesting. Um, his his contract is, I think, um, he, he doesn't have a contract anymore with the Lakers, so that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think a team like, like the Clippers will go after Rondo real, real hard. Oh, 
interesting, interesting. We'll see. We'll see if you're uh, if you're correct in in, 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 a, few, in a few weeks. We'll see. Uh, uh, when it comes to um, some other NBA players, you know, current NBA players, uh, who are your you know favorites? Uh, who are the players that you like to watch? Uh, well, my my favorite my favorite player is uh, I like the Toronto Raptors a lot. I like Van Fleet. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's one of my favorite guys to watch only because he's a hustler, man. He's a dead eye shooter. He's all over the court. Um, he's pretty focused on what he wants to do. Uh, you know, I like um, I like a lot of guys. I like Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I also like Kyrie. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Butler and Van Fleet. They're, you know, the epitome of, of hardworking players who yeah, blue collar, Yeah, and I also like the, the, the guy at the Mavericks, the uh, the, the, the young, young guy from overseas, um, Luka Doncic. You know, no doubt. I think he's awesome, man. I think he's top. He's top five all day in the NBA. You think he's top five? Well, he's definitely, you know, he's in his second season and almost averaging a triple-double with 30 points per game, which is... Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, he has a mindset and he has a physical strength. If he can stay healthy, staying healthy is going to be a key for him. If he can continue to stay healthy, I think the uh, sky's the limit for himself. Some, some say he's the second coming of Larry Bird in, in some regard. Yeah, I... I um, I played against Larry Bird, and I would have to say that he's right there. He's right there. He has the same talent as Larry Bird has. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to you know the the, the the players in the NBA today, is there anyone who reminds you of yourself in in some way, or shape, or form? Well, when I look at and I see the game today, um, there's one guy who definitely reminds me of himself. That'd be Zion. Zion. Yeah. No doubt, Zion, because he um, he has an athletic ability and he has a strength down low in the way that he can move and, and uh, finish baskets underneath definitely reminds me of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zion is great. And, and the only thing that, that will be, um, uh, I guess, a question that is a question mark for him is, is the weight. If he can cut down on the weight and... and... Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's got to get stronger. He's got to... Um, Cut down his weight, and um, you know uh, he's got to stay healthy. Can't keep having yeah. surgery. So I think if he cuts down that weight a little bit, he'll be healthier next season. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, that, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that 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 he stays in in good shape because uh, a basketball player of of that combination of size, strength, and ex- explosiveness is is really hard to find. It comes once in a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. He's a generational talent, and I think. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him playing here in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we're almost uh, at the end of the interview, and we have a f- well. I have a few quick fire questions for you. Okay. Um, uh, so, what was your favorite NBA team growing up? My favorite team growing up was uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Dr. J. Dr. J. Uh, the, the the championship squad from the from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, I. Um, Dr. J, Dr. J was the man. I used to call myself Dr. K. <laughs> Dr. K. Well, you were definitely, when it, at least when it comes to putting people on posters, you were very, very much <laughs> like Dr. J. 
what was the best teammate you ever played with? That's not best Gary Payton. Best teammate I ever played with, Dana Barrows. Wow, interesting. Yeah, what, yeah what? I, just, I, talk, I just talked to him last week. Uh, he's in Boston running a basketball gym. He used to work with the Celtics as their shooting coach in the last few years. But Dana Barrows was my best teammate. Because the days that I overslept, he would come over and wake me up. And I was like, Dana's the man. <laughs> yeah, that's a, he doesn't get mentioned a lot at all. So interesting choice. Uh, what, who is the most underrated player, um, in your opinion, from, from when you played in, in the 90s? Uh, that doesn't get enough recon, you know, uh, recognition. Drazen Petrovic. Drazen Petrovic, really. Yeah, he's best best shooter, best scorer I almost ever seen in my entire life. He was yeah. he, he he could score the ball as well as Michael Jordan could. Really? Um, Absolutely. Reggie, Miller, Reggie Miller, Miller actually said the same thing. He said, you know, the the best shooter that I've ever played against was was him. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he's one of the best I've ever seen do it. No, without a doubt. Uh, where do you where do you rank your rank yourself in terms of all time in game dunkers? Mm. Uh, are, mm. are you that you will put in front of yourself? Um, it's got to be somewhere in that the top five, I think, because uh, you know the creativity of on some on some of my dunks and, and the power. It's got to be in the top five. You know, I think, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Vince Carter. Mm -hmm. I'm a big big fan of uh, Daryl Dawkins, guys like that and, and stuff. But I think I'm in somewhere in the top five because just the ferociousness I dunked with and the, and the athletic ability. Mm -hmm. you, were, you were, in my opinion, you know, the best, one of the best power dunkers that, you know, I ever had the opportunity to see. You know, the way you dunked the ball, it was just mind-blowing. Uh, Who's your who's your toughest matchup or or you can call it nemesis when when you played back in the day? I mean, uh, Carl Malone, you know, you know, uh, got a lot of respect for Carl Malone. Think he's a very good player, but um, I didn't like him when we played, man, because he he gave me a number of butt whoopings, so I had to grow up real quick and give him mm -hmm. give him a few of them back. But Carl Malone was just a tough player to play against. Um, you know, tough to guard, can shoot the ball, and he can manhandle you down low. He was a very powerful player. Um, and, and he had a, a, a set of moves that he could use at any given time to, to score Absolutely. And, and he had John Stockton to help along the way. Yeah, and he can shoot the ball pretty good also. Yeah. Um, uh, your all-time favorite starting five. My all-time starting five would be um, Michael Jordan, Magic, Larry, um, Shaq, Shaq, and myself, and, and yourself. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think there's a team that would that would beat this team in in the seven game series. <laughs> no way possible. <laughs> no way possible. You had everything, the inside and outside game. Perfect balance. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good combo right there. Mm -hmm. Um how how old how old were you when you first dunked the ball? Can you remember? Uh yeah, first time I jammed it was sixth grade. 
Sixth grade. Yeah. And, and, and you haven't stopped ever since? No, no, no. I haven't stopped. This is still going down. My son is a freshman in college, so yeah, every summer, every summer he makes me go out to see if I can still put it down. Can you? I can do it. You can still do it. I can do it. I'll be tired as heck afterwards, but I can still do it. Nice, nice, nice. That's, I don't think a lot of a lot of people can can say that they can still dunk. So kudos to you. Um, and and the last question: Who do you think is the goat? Well, I think uh, I think I think the goat is um is not the best scorer. It's not the best rebounder. The goat is the general, mm. and he was the one that used to pass the ball and got everybody around. And we generally, if we all watch basketball, we would have to say that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are the greatest two players of all time. But my my favorite player is Magic Johnson because he was a facilitator. He just, he was a general. He passed the ball, he did whatever needed to be done. He's the only player that I know who started at point guard, but his his rookie season, he started at center and won the championship. Yeah, that was the game when Kareem was out and, and he pretty much took over. Yeah, and I think, um, Therefore, I just think that Magic Johnson was the best because he was a total team player. It's not about how many points or how many rebounds. It's about a person who can work with everybody and make it better. Yeah. And when you take into consideration that in, in his 12-year-long um, career, he won five championships, yeah. that's for itself. And absolutely. He played with so many great players. I don't know, one, I don't know anybody else who could have played with as many good players and won five championships. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. He was, yeah, he was, he was always the the the, the go-to guy. Right. The ball was in his hands majority of the time, and um, that's why I think that he was generally he was probably the best. Even though Michael Jordan might have been the best scorer, Will Chamberlain might have been the best big man. Magic Johnson was the best player, all-around player. Well, that's a uh, you know nobody could argue with that. You know, Magic is is truly one of a kind. Um, we, uh, we pretty much concluded this section, um, and it was, a, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Um, good luck with, with your business, uh, and, and, and take care, especially in this unusual and, and crazy times. Right. And, and good luck on your opening on Friday. Oh, man, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your show, and um, stay healthy. Stay healthy. All right.